Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the patriotic Matt. Hello there. So, here we are talking about Victory of the Daleks. Yeah. I thought this day would never come. Part of me wishes it didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to take your temperature on it. So, uh, historically, so far, you have not enjoyed any Margatis episodes. Nope. Despite being... You would have said previous to, to the, seeing his Doctor Who work that you were a fan of Mark Davis, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Not a fan <laughs> of historical episodes. No, so it's already losing points for you there. Um, all in all, I don't think this is a very good episode at all. It's not great. I, I, I think there are elements of it that I really like and will stick up for. I think the problem is, and I feel I say this all the time, yeah. it commits the cardinal sin of being quite boring. Mm. See, I wouldn't go that far. I think there are some interesting stuff in it, but but um, I think it commits a few flaws. Uh, it has a few flaws that, that you'd rather avoid, especially with the Dalek episode. Mm. You know, for such pivotal monsters, it feels almost a little bit throwaway. It's a bit like Daleks of Manhattan. It's just a nothing story. Yeah. Like, I'll give you an analogy. I remember when I was a young boy, maybe five or six. Yeah. And I was really into Masters of the Universe. Uh Uh-huh. And I had a book, and it was like a learning-to-read book. Uh Uh-huh. And it was just about a boy and a girl who just kept outsmarting Skeletor. And, like, (laughs) you know, like, making him fall in puddles. And that's what this felt like. Like, this big threat, this big ominous villain... Yeah. Just like on its summer holidays, not really <laughs> doing much. Yeah. If, for a Dalek episode, the body count is really low. Yeah. And so they don't, they just don't feel threatening. Um, and, and it's a shame because and the, this episode, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it, I think. Uh, but basically, it's nodding back to a, to a previous classic Dalek story, which is possibly my favourite Dalek story of all time. And so as a sort of spiritual sequel to that, it is a bitter disappointment. Um, what, what's the name of that story? So that's, the story in question is The Power of the Daleks. It was the very first Patrick Troughton story. Unfortunately, the, the actual episodes no longer exist, but there's a, a decent animated reconstruction, and there was those who prefer to, to go with the telesnaps, because we still have all the audio from the episodes we just we're lacking the original visuals um but that's a story set on like a human colony out on some random planet um and they've taken the daleks on board as servants they they believe that the daleks are just these benign robots there to help them and it's and there is a very direct parallel obviously with this story where Churchill and it, and and his comrades are, are very much of the opinion that you know they've been led to believe that the Daleks are just these wonderful wonderful creations of uh, Doctor Bracewell, and it it it's it even references it to the point of you know when the Dalek says "I am your soldier" uh-huh. with that very particular inflection that as a direct uh, nod to the power of the Daleks, where they would go around saying "I am your servant." Okay. So, it knows what it's doing, this episode. But whereas the power of the Daleks is just non-stop tension, mm-hmm. 
across like six episodes. That's saying something with Classic Who, but really, honestly, you get that palpable sense of tension. You you really only get glimmers of it here and there in this episode, so it's definitely the lesser of the two, which is a shame. What, what would you say is the best thing about Victory of the Daleks? <sighs> I really... Okay, two things. One, I think Smith's performance is good. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's working really hard to make this script land at all. Um, and also, I think uh, the the guest performance of, I've written his name down, Bill Patterson uh, as Dr. Bracewell. I really, really like him, and I like the stuff do, towards the end with him. Do you recognise Bill Patterson from anything? Oh, God, I don't know that I do. He's He plays the dad in Fleabag. I don't know if you've ever oh, seen Fleabag. I've, I've seen the first series of Fleabag, but it was a few years ago at this yeah, point. Yeah, he was one of those people where I was like, I recognise him. Yeah. And when I looked him up. Yeah. Well, there you go. But no, I think he's very good in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I'll support that. Um, what did you make of, whilst we're just talking about guest performance, Yeah, Ian McNeese as Winston Churchill? I won't hold it against him as an actor, because I think he's doing the best with what he's given. I am not a big fan of reducing Churchill to some like cuddly teddy bear figure. I think he is too complex a part of our political and military history to basically be reduced down to this kind of caricature. Because it is, it's a caricature of a performance. Yeah. Um, and I think if you compare it to other historical figures we've seen, like, for example, a certain Mr. Dickens from a previous Mark Gatiss yeah. episode, where I think that was a much more nuanced portrayal. Like, you got a sense of the man's flaws as well as his, his genius. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's very, it's like, it's like the version of Churchill that exists in the minds of UKIP, though. To... Yeah, it's like <laughs> Churchill the bulldog that sells car insurance. Yeah, yeah. So, but like I say, I don't, I don't blame McNeese as a performer because mm-hmm. that's the role he's been given. But it's not, I think, a version of Churchill I'm particularly interested in. Let's put it that way. Right. Shall we get into the episode? I think we should. Okay, so it's episode three of season five from the 17th of April. 2010. Mm-hmm. And can I make a, a note here, actually? Um, with this being the third episode, we have now like a perfect parallel of series one in that you've got... It's every series. But it, it, Intro, think, go to the future, yeah. go to the past. Well, sometimes they flip it. Sometimes they do go to the past, then go to the future, mm-hmm. which is in series four. Um, and series two... Uh, uh, series three, actually... Because I think uh, Martha went to, we had Shakespeare Code, and then we went to whatever the future one was for doesn't Martha. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, but with Series 1 particularly as well, you, you've got showrunner, showrunner, then the first guest thing is a historical written by Mark Gatiss. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it really is a very con- almost conscious parallel. Um, now, I know we said we'll get into the episode, but yeah. ideas just springing into my head. Yeah. I think I know the answer before I ask it. Would you say this is better than the previous Matt Gettys historical? No, I think it's the worst one he's written so far. What, what, what is it? The Unquiet Dead? Uh, we've had The Idiot's Lantern, and there was another Gatiss story. Was that a... I can't remember if that was a historical now or not. Mm. He does tend to do historicals. But certainly of... My favourite my favorite of the RTD era is The Unquiet Dead. Mm. Um... 
uh, it has kind of been diminishing returns to some extent with Mark yeah. Gatiss, I think, so far. And Does he still contribute? He hasn't written anything for Series 11. I think he's probably hung his hat up at this point. There are a few more to come. Right. Okay. <laughs> right, so the episode begins with an air raid siren. I mean, we've got the illusion of what's coming last episode. Yeah, we got a little teaser scene at yeah. the end of the last episode. And we're in Churchill's war bunker. Yeah. He says it's time to roll out the secret weapon, and it's a Dalek. Yeah, and we get... we've already seen. I do, but, but I do quite like that, because they've got the, like, you know, the map on the table with the little models, mm. and, like, so you, where you expect to see, like, a little model tank. Mm. It's a little model Dalek instead. I do think that's quite fun. Yeah. You know. It was a good reveal. Yeah. I mean... Had it not been... It's already all <laughs> been So, the Doctor arrives yeah. to meet with Churchill. I, I've just put, have they met before in canon? Because they seem like old friends. Definitely, that's the way it's been written. And, and I know that the timeline isn't linear. Yeah. But I just wondered... I am not personally aware of it now. That whether that's just me forgetting, I think, feel like I would remember if I have specifically seen a classic series uh, series episode with Churchill in it. I don't recall of anything I've seen so far. I am sort of most of the way through the Fifth Doctor at this point. I haven't seen much Sixth or Seventh, so I wouldn't like to say necessarily uh, for for definite. But I'm not aware of any. So Churchill wants the TARDIS key. He thinks that's the weapon. That will win him the war. Yeah. And it turns out the phone call we saw in the last episode took place a month ago to Churchill. Yeah. So it's been like fairly frequently mentioned since the Doctor's rejuvenated the TARDIS. It's got these like weird time jumps. Yeah, like it's it's it seems a little unreliable. Mm. I mean, like the, the TARDIS... <sighs> I know, when it suits the plot, it's, it's always unreliable. Exactly. It's reliable when it needs to be, and it's unreliable when it when it needs to be. Just depends on the whim of the writer, really. So, then we're introduced to Churchill's... I don't think it's his direct assistant. It's someone working underneath him, but yeah. she seems the most prominent. I think she's called Breen. Yeah. And sure, she suggests her partner's squad was shot down. Yeah. That's about as much plot development we get with her. Yeah, I, this is what I've put, written, written that in my notes as one of the that I think the real drawbacks of this episode is that they, like they tease like they're gonna do something with that. It doesn't go anywhere. Just, it doesn't go anywhere at all. It's, I yeah. think it's like is it just an attempt to like show the impact of war? But if it is, then it's just so underplayed that you, I, you, is it, I, I think it's the film called The Enigma. No, oh, the imitation game. The imitation game. With, yeah, because uh, there's a whole plot there where they discover the Enigma code, and the first yeah. message they transcribe is that one of their brother's units is going to be shot down. Uh-huh. But they can't make that revelation because it would prove that they've broken the code. Uh-huh. So I, I wondered whether that's the sort of angle they were trying to play. I know that that film came out late. Yeah. But I mean, we no, never get that sort of sympathetic ending. I mean, I think like literally, like one of the last scenes you see her having a quiet cry, yeah, and like the one of the other people, the staff in the war room is says, "Oh, her her partner was shot down." So that's it. We we don't really get more than that from it, and it's just yeah. like I I don't know why it's there. Yeah. I just don't understand why yeah. it's in the script. I mean, it was the Second World War. Everybody 
through six degrees of separation, yeah. knew somebody who had lost somebody. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it, uh, if it's not part of the main plot, we didn't really need it. Mm. So anyway, Churchill says he's got something to show the Doctor, and it's the Ironside project. Yeah, I, I quite like the, that as a as a code. That feels that is exactly what mm. they would call it, isn't it? If they, yeah, if 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 Britain invented Daleks <laughs> in World War Two, we would have called them Ironsides, and then. They go up to the roof. We see all the air raid blimps and what have you. Yeah. And I just put, were we here in the Doctor dances? Not exactly, but we were around this sort of time. Mm. So, yeah, for all we know, Eccleston and... and, uh, In in the Doctor dances, like, blitz-stricken London is made to look quite glamorous. You know, you've got, like, Jack having his, like, officer's ball and everything. Yes, Whereas here yeah. it's, like, grimy and dusty and probably yeah. a more realistic portrayal. Probably, yeah. Um, so, Churchill orders fire on the Luftwaffe. They're, like, mm-hmm. flying over conveniently at yeah. this time. And it's just a Dalek that's been spray-painted green, like camo green. <laughs> yeah. And they've stuck a Union Jack on it. And, like, <laughs> some, like, drab netting <laughs> to sort of make it look... Like an army man. Yeah. What did you reckon to that look? I lo- I, I quite like it. I quite like the uh, the sort of pe- army paint job on the Dalek. Um, again, like I, I don't I, I don't hate the premise of this episode. It's more the execution of it mm. that I feel is a bit lacking. I think the the concept of like Daleks working like sneakily. I. Perhaps not, but if you think back to Family of Blood, yeah, where we get the ending and it's about the guys in the trenches together, yeah, and we cut at the end and it's like Memorial Sunday, yeah, and th- yeah, like that's handled in quite a dignified fashion. It is, yes, and absolutely. I, I mean, I don't want to use the word respectful because it's still a story about space aliens, yeah, but we just don't get that tone here. No, it, it's just like. It's like I say, this this version of World War Two feels like the version that you would read in like pulp magazines printed in the nineteen sixties. Yeah. It doesn't feel like the 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 lived experience yeah. of World War Two. So yeah, it gives it this this weird tone throughout. So this is where we're introduced to Bracewell. Yeah. So he's the guy that Supposedly invented the Ironsides. Yeah, and it is a is a sort of mild mannered Scottish um, scientist. Yeah, he seems yeah. to be a man of engineering and you yeah. know yeah. dedicated to his craft. Yeah, and 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 I do think an immediately likable and sympathetic. Yes, character. yeah, he's got like a warm Scotch drawl. Yes, not like an angry Glaswegian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Churchill says the Ironsides are going to win him the war. Now, weirdly, Amy can't remember the end of time. She has yeah. no recollection of the Daleks. She can't remember their invasion. Yeah. And the Doctor says that's absolutely impossible. There is yeah. no way you could have lived through that and not remembered it. Intriguing. So the Doctor... The Doctor? The Doctor <laughs> becomes panicked by the Daleks' presence. Yeah. And goes to talk to Bracewell who says that the idea to create them just came to him. Mm. So he seems to have almost like dream premonitions where he's able to sort of like 
Or maybe, or maybe he's just talking about just sort of like it was just a flash of inspiration. You know, yeah, I think I think he says something yeah. about his musings. Yeah, and that just you know they, these ideas just come to him. Yeah, yeah. So the Doctor, I've just put my notes, just kicks off big time. Yeah, and attacks he, he, the yeah, Dalek just, with a spanner. Yeah, I mean he doesn't like him. No, he doesn't like a Dalek. No. Um, but obviously the thing that's ticking him off here is the fact that he's seen them being sneaky before. He knows he knows what this game is to some extent. He doesn't know the exact nature of the plan, but he he's seen them acting benign. Mm. Um, and he where, knows that it's just a ruse. Where did we leave with the Daleks at the end of End of Time? Did they just... Oh, as, did some flee? I can't... Probably. Yeah. But the honest truth is I neither remember nor care. <laughs> Is that the one that's got Davros? Yeah. That was the last time we saw it. So him. they're like fighting them. I, I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. Yeah, this is the, this is the trouble with RTD um, finales in that like, whilst it's happening, it's thrilling and it's like so loud and dramatic and everything's happening. And, and, and you feel, you come away feeling satisfied, but then then a week later, if you try and recall any plot details, it's impossible because it was just right, so there was, it was all noise. There was Dalek Sec, who was the insane Dalek. Yeah, who'd like been prophesizing. And then stuff. there was Davros. Yeah. Then there was like the new There's like Emperor Chief. Dalek, I think. But I literally can't remember what happened to any of those things. No, they just you just it, there was lots of, the camera started shaking around and things, there was a big things exploded. And, and Dalek Sec was like yeah. screaming. But yeah, I can't remember if he died. No, and I just you just came away feeling like the Doctor had done a good job. <laughs> like maybe he had. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, forget Amy's like memory. I can't remember like the Dalek. <laughs> but anyway, just accept it. Just go with it. Some Daleks obviously survived. And they decided yeah. to That's really like hide funny. in World War Two and paint yeah, themselves green. For whatever reason. <laughs> okay. So he's smashing it with a big spanner. Yeah. And yelling it. it when the doctor it. says, I am the doctor, the Dalek responds, correct, transmitting testimony. Yeah. So I think he says, I am the doctor and you are the Daleks. Yeah. So I do you think that, that Dalek was aware it was being sneaky, or do you think yeah. it was almost like mind wiped until it De- was triggered by this? No, it de- we 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 addressed the testimony thing later. It definitely it was their plan that they wanted to to be identified by a trustworthy source such mm-hmm. as the Doctor. So there's a big Dalek ship just hiding behind the moon. Yeah, as, a, as why not? You do, and we have what's called the progenitor. Yes. That activates. Yes. And we're not told at this time what that does or what it is. It's just like, I don't know. It's just a big I, mission. It's like a metal teacup with lights on it. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. the lights get a bit brighter. Yeah. Uh, so the Dalek shoots Bracewell at this point and yeah. shoots his arm off a little bit like Robocop mm-hmm. because he is a robot. Yeah. So. Yes, because Bracewell is like saying, what are you doing? Because I, I think he's already started like shooting other a couple yeah. of randos. And, and Bracewell's like, what are you doing? I created you. And, and the dog is like, no, we created you. Yeah. And, uh, so, I yeah. mean, without getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. the Daleks created him as part of their ruse. Yes. That they were this weapon 
but actually yeah. they needed he was their way of having a plausible way to infiltrate yes because um, it doesn't actually say how long rest. they've been on earth this time. I think well I think well, in terms of how long they've been doing this particular plan I would guess maybe a couple of months all in because when Churchill says at the start when he he says to the doctor he had initial reservations which is when he rang the doctor he wanted like a second opinion on it but then another month has passed since, at which point all of Churchill's reservations mm. have disappeared. So the project's been rumbling along for a little while. Okay, so the Doctor leaves Amy with Churchill. Yeah. And leaves in the TARDIS. Appears on the Dalek ship and says he has a self-destruct device. Yes. He'll blow them all to smithereens unless they hear his plate. Yeah. But the problem being, his self-destruct device is just a jammy dodger. Yeah. And I've got that on my list of things that I do quite like about this episode. That that works for me. Yeah, and it ties into Smith as, like, the playful yes. doctor. Yeah. I mean, I know you described him as a Labrador puppy. And yeah. it's that sort of mentality, you know, that yes. character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Shows well there. Yeah, it's, and it's like, you know, and it's it's it's... It's a heck of a bluff at the end yes. of the day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, we're told one Dalek ship survived, but we can't even remember what it survived. I can't even remember they were on a Dalek ship. <laughs> yeah. But f- fine, whatever. Go with it. All right. How does Daleks in Manhattan end? Like, we know that at uh, the end, Tallulah kisses the pig man. They, what, what happens to the Daleks? Um, Dalek... Was it Dalek Khan that was a hybrid Dalek... Where they, you know, was the genetic experiment, and and the other Daleks rebelled against that and murdered him because he was impure. And I think the remaining three of the Cult of Scaro emergency temporal shifted. Same means nothing to me. I cannot remember. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just whilst you were telling that, I was like, the Battle of Canary Wharf. I know they shut that big wall yeah. door thing. Again, it was emergency temporal shift. They used that yeah. a couple of times. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So, that Dalek ship survived and fell through time. Sure. Of course it did, because yeah. convenient, isn't it? Everything's yeah. falling through time these it's, days. It's got a lot of holes in it time, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Especially, like, why doesn't the Doctor accept that? Because he's always <laughs> like, I can never save the Time Lords. <laughs> I bet there's one, like, just floating around in time. <laughs> Yeah. It's always like, oh no, everything's time all gone. Yeah. It, it's quite clearly not. Yeah. Quite clearly not the case. <laughs> so, yes. turns out the progenitor contains pure Dalek DNA. Uh huh. But it doesn't recognise these Daleks as pure. We know that they took on human DNA. Yes. I think. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were presumably some of the remnants of the, of the army that was. Because was that when Rose touched the first Dalek in Dalek? Yeah. I I can't remember how that episode ended. But anyway, yeah. I remember they were behind a security These are puny, impure Daleks, and the Dalek progenitor won't work. Yeah. So it needed the Doctor, because he's their greatest threat. Yeah. And the the progenitor recognises, in great times of need, it needs to fire out some more Daleks. Can I just say, that whole concept... Is really dumb. Oh, oh 100%. Really, really 100%. dumb and bad. And you know what? I don't even blame Gators for this because I think, 
I don't know, but I would assume that he was basically given a brief by Moffat and said, look, spoilers, we're going to introduce some new Daleks in a minute. I want to introduce these new Daleks, so we need to get rid of the old Daleks. Can you get us from A to B? And so he was just trying to write a story around that. Which is a bit of a thankless task, I think. Yeah, and especially the new Daleks are just a bit bigger. And a bit brighter. Yeah, we'll we'll get on to the new Daleks. I've yeah. got thoughts, don't worry. <laughs> I mean, just whilst we're on the topic of how forgettable the Dalek adventures are. Yeah. I, I have my notes in front of me. Yeah. Without turning the page, I couldn't tell you how this episode ends. <laughs> really? It's, it's been maybe a week since I've watched it. Yeah. This, you know, I'm really <laughs> resting on my notes with this one. <laughs> right. So, the Daleks turn on all of London's electricity. Yeah. So, the opposite of a blackout, they want the Luftwaffe to see mm-hmm. where everything is, so they can bomb it. So, Amy says... that's that, to, to be clear, that is them bar- that's their bargaining chip against the Doctor. The Doctor is threatening them with the self-destruct button, which we know to be a jammy dodger, and so their re- retort to that is, right, well, your beloved Earth, let's watch it get torn to shreds with this, with this war... Um, and they know that like the human race has a weakness for it. Like his compassion for yeah. the human race is his weakness. So, so back on Earth, Amy says that their weapon to win this is a gift from the Daleks, and then she just runs away. And it turns out the progenitor has worked. And I've just put, we get a rainbow coalition of Daleks. We do rather, don't we? So, yeah, yeah let's discuss the new paradigm Daleks. Is that their That's official, their official They're like the Sorry. Power Rangers. Yeah. so it's one of every colour. Yeah, so we've got, I think it's uh, black, white, red, yellow, and blue. Yeah. So you've got the three primary colours, plus black and white. They are... They're chunky. Yep. They're big they're, old they're boys. Big, big Daleks. They've got they famously got a sort of a hunched back. Okay. Like if you look at them closely, like there's this sort of bit at the back. Um and they look really plasticky. They look like giant toys. Yeah. That they don't look as menacing. No. No. Um swing and a miss, I mm. think. I like different coloured Daleks, and like all through the classic series, like you've got different, you know, different colours. I, I would liken like it that. to the old Daleks are a bit like your granddad's rusty old petrol lawnmower. Yeah, and these new ones are just like your flymo. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I, I'm all for having different coloured Daleks. I was getting a bit bored of the the RTD era bronze. Yeah, Dalek. we'd we'd seen a lot of very similar Daleks. It was I'm all for a change, but. I wish they looked a little, a little less plasticky. With actually, it was sort of like a brushed metal look or something. So they were still very sleek and yeah. colourful, but they actually but these looked are a bit very, very. They're like IKEA Daleks. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. They're gloss Daleks. Yeah, yeah. And they refer to themselves as the Master Race. Mm-hmm. I mean, given the timing. We can see the parallels. Yep, sure. So, Bracewell is in his office about to shoot himself, but Amy stops him Uh and says that his mind is the weapon, is the gift from the Daleks, because it's full of their ideas. Mm -hmm. Okay. We cut back to the new Daleks that kill the old impure ones. Yeah. And the Doctor eats 
his jammy dodger. Because he, I he, mean, he just gives up and he says, says "All right, yeah, you've got me. You've got you got me over a barrel. You're threatening Earth. Okay, it's a ruse." So he just yeah, he's just kind of giving up on that. Bracewell uses like Dalek shielding technology mm-hmm. on Spitfires. Yes, that approach okay. the Dalek ship, and it's like. A poor man's Star Wars it's French the, scene. It's Star Wars meets Dambusters. Yeah. Like, very consciously. This I is think. what I mean. I, like, for for a World War II episode, tonally, this is all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so, Spitfires in Space, that is, like, if you imagine there is a scale of silliness in Doctor Who, Spitfires in Space is the exact point at which things have gotten that bit too silly for me yeah. in Doctor Who. Like, it's not as... It, it, Doctor Who gets even sillier than Spitfires in Space, but that, to me, is where you... That's the line that you're crossing, I feel like. That's my marker. What do you think's the silliest thing we've seen so far? Oh, oh you're putting me on the spot. The adipose are pretty dumb. Uh, but they they're like... Explained, and because they're an alien yeah. race, they're easy to sort of justify. If you know what I mean, maybe ah uh, uh, the Vespiform though, uh, big yeah. old wasp woman shagging big a wasp. Old, yeah, alien yeah. wasp man. I'll tell you that, that was pretty silly. What about that scene where there's the cat people that have kittens, but they're just normal kittens, <laughs> but they That's grow up into different. a man-sized cat? You know, we we don't know enough about what their puberty is like. I I'll, I can roll with that. I, I, if you talk about cat people episodes, what about the uh, uh, the one which just ends with the doctor curing all the diseases by yeah. mixing up a load of primary coloured <laughs> liquids in a bucket? The thing is, I think it's easy to let things slide when it's the aliens, because they're yeah. intentionally meant to be different and weird. So, like, a tree person is strange. Yeah, but I'll go with that. That's But, yeah, you just go, oh, yeah. it's just an alien. Yeah. Yeah, you know, no, no, we're a not... rhinoceros policeman. Yeah, it's quite it's odd. Yeah, that's why we didn't even, you know, we're not even mentioning the mocks of Balhoon or Banakafalati yeah, or any of that stuff. But, but yeah, no, I think Spitfires in Space is possibly the dumbest thing well, we've seen so far. I'm certain there was like a horror film a couple of years ago that was about like after World War Two, the Nazis won the space race and secretly they built a. Nazi. It wasn't a horror film. It was Iron Sky. That's the one yeah. I'm thinking of. It's a, it's a sort of comedy. Uh, have yeah. you seen it? No. It's. I mean, one, it's in very poor taste, so you have to kind of like go with like that's the premise. Um, it has some funny ideas and some funny moments in it. Um, not not a total disaster. Okay, I don't think. Yeah. So, their aim is to take out a transmission dish. The Spitfires. The transmission dish is what's turning all the lights on in London. Uh-huh. So they manage, they succeed. I think there's one plane that survives. Yes, uh, Danny Boy. That's it, Danny Boy. Um, voiced by none other than Mark Gatiss himself. Oh, really? Yeah. So the lights go out in London again. The Luftwaffe can't do their bombing yep. run. Okay. So is that saved? Hooray. Yeah. So, the Daleks then tell the Doctor that Bracewell himself is a bomb that will end the world. Yeah. Just say, like, You know... It's just... Yeah. 
It, I feel like um, Mark Gatiss had written this episode expecting that to be the end. And then was like, oh shit, I've got another 15 minutes. Yeah. It's it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Bad Boys 2. Uh Where the film ends, but then they just go to like Cuba for another half hour. (laughs) (laughs) I've not seen it. Like the whole plot wraps up and it's just like, oh. It's just like this Turns out there's another baddie. We best go to Cuba. Yeah. 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 Um. The one, the one redeeming factor I think about this ending is that it's a much better ending, and I like it a lot. Yeah, I like the uh, the scene where they're disabling Bracewell. Um, yeah, so the Doctor believes them. He thinks he is a bomb. Yeah, so he transports himself back to Earth, finds Bracewell, punches him. Yeah, thinks that's going to work. It doesn't. It does not. Yeah. So using a combination of the sonic screwdriver and discussion about Bracewell's life. Yeah. Because Bracewell is panicking that his whole life was a lie. He's yeah. only been in existence for a couple of months, but yeah. he can remember like where he was born, his parents, mm-hmm. childhood sweetheart. Yes. Okay. So the thing that I really, really like about this scene is I think it tells you I think it's good writing for the Doctor and Amy. Because when the Doctor starts talking to Bracewell, he's saying like he's Asking him about the pain of losing his parents. He's saying, what was that like? Feel that pain. Because he's trying to make him believe he's human, basically. Yeah. It's like tapping into the human side of him disables the the robot side, which contains the, the sort of explosive. Yeah. Parts. So so the Doctor focuses on pain and anger and sadness. And then... But, then, but it's not working. It's The time has continued to like so, keep up and up. Sure. And then Amy intervenes... And says, um, have you ever fancied someone that you know you shouldn't? And comes at it from a completely different angle and starts tapping into emotions of love. And that's the thing that starts to... uh, And I think the thing that I like is that reveals so much about the Doctor and his experience and how pain is what drives him to a large extent. Knowledge of pain and, and, and... all the hurt of losing so many people. And then, but ultimately, that's not what drives human beings. What drives human beings is love. Mm. And Amy understands that because Amy is a human. Yeah. So I, I just think that's really good writing. And from an episode that otherwise, up until this point, has been a little bit like, ah, what? Yeah, come on. All of a sudden, this just comes out of the blue. I'm just like, oh, that's beautiful. Where was, where was this writer for the last. 40 minutes. So, shall we just talk about the appearance of Bracewell's, like, robotic form? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, first and foremost, how did he have no idea that he was a robot? (laughs) Well, to be fair, there was a skin layer. Yeah, but, you know, if you bump around your house, (laughs) if it starts ringing... (laughs) I imagine it was all part of the programming was that he wouldn't think to question it. So, they open his chest. Yeah. And at first, his chest, it just looks like the Iron Man suit. It pretty much does, yeah. yeah. So it's like square pectorals, square abdomen. Yeah. But in the centre, it's got this circular dial. Yes. That seems to be just like there for the purpose of when he might be a bomb. <laughs> yeah. So it's broken, broken up into segments. Yeah. As he becomes more stressed, each one yeah. changes colour, eventually yeah. turns red, moves yeah. to the next segment. Yeah. When Amy calms him down... 
they go back round the other way. Yeah. Very much a design of its time, isn't it? It is, it is. I would say the dial in particular is a little bit Fisher Price, isn't it? It's, yeah. But but that doesn't that doesn't for me impact on the emotional core of that scene. And that's what I really love. I I, I think Matt Smith, uh Karen Gillan and uh Bill Patterson all put in amazing work in that scene. And I think if you take that scene out, this episode drops from like a Six out of ten to like a three out of ten for me. Yeah, it really it it makes that much of a difference. It is one of the better parts. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Um. So from there, like I say, Amy talks to him about past love that overrides the bomb, and yeah, in keeping with seems to be the theme of this episode about the poor ending of Dalek episodes. <laughs> my notes just say the Daleks fly off, the Doctor's mad they escape. Yes. That is it. Yes. That's as much as we get. Pretty much. And then, this is where we go back to Green, or Breen. I seem to have changed her name halfway through. Shrug. Who cries again. Yeah. Her partner's been shot down over the channel. Yeah. And... This is nothing. The Doctor denies Churchill the alien tech. So, the Churchill thinks he can still use some of this Dalek technology. Things yeah. like the shielding to get the Spitfires... Across the channel. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the doctor just says, no, no. That's not how it's going to be. No. Yeah. So they hug, at which yeah. point Churchill steals the TARDIS king. Yeah. And He's a naughty boy. Yeah. Churchill. Again, but... I mean, it's not the character of Winston Churchill I know. No, no. Like, wasn't he actually quite... Dower and that's the thing. It, it, it's again, it's it's like they've turned him into this sort of cuddly teddy bear version of Churchill, and it feels feels like you're doing a, a disservice mm. to the complexity of that yeah. that man. So that would be an okay place for the episode to end. Yeah, but we then cut back to Bracewell, who is waiting for the Doctor. He thinks the Doctor's going to shut him down. Yeah, but again. This is where we get sort of that revelation that the Doctor's perhaps himself becoming more human. And he doesn't shut him down. He gives Bracewell the opportunity to give himself the life he thought he had. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I think at this point he says, I'm going to go find the girl he's dreamt of. Yeah. Whether she's real or not. And and I like the way it plays out as well, because, like, Bracewell's really, really slow on the uptake, because he knows, he, he knows that he can't exist. So he's like, okay, I'm preparing for this moment. You're going to come and disable me. So he's like, ah, well, yes, of course I am. But uh, before I do, there is this thing uh, that's going to take a good sort of 10, 15 minutes. And, and like, they keep sort of ramping it up and just be like, you know, like, at least half an hour. It's going to be at least half an hour. And, and Amy's like, "Yeah, you can do a lot in half an hour, can't you? You know, you can pack a bag, you can, etc." And, and it like eventually the penny drops. It's a very, it's a sweet little scene, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's sort of like the bit we've maybe been waiting for this episode. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's a lot going on that I wasn't yeah. that keen on this time round but like that say, was I, a good bit yeah I, I, I really cling to the scenes with Bracewell in this episode because yeah. I think that's where all the heart and all the joy is in this episode because the Dalek stuff is doing nothing for me the Churchill stuff is doing nothing for me you take Bracewell out and you've got nothing in this episode yeah. as far as I'm concerned so the Doctor 
again states he's worried Amy hasn't seen the Daleks before. Yes. But as they disappear in the TARDIS, there's a big crack in the wall. Da, 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 da. And when I say a big crack in the wall, <laughs> it's, it's the big crack in the, the wall. The crack. The one that keeps appearing. Yeah, capital T, capital C. Yeah. The crack. Yeah, give it back. a proper noun. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can't say I enjoyed this episode. Well, uh, I didn't hate it. It's I just hope a I talk, thing. Yeah, I hope I talked you around on like the good elements. I feel like it's a real mixed bag, but I don't like to... I think it's very easy to fall in the trap where when things don't add up to something great, mm-hmm. to kind of just cast aside all of the actually good bits. And yeah. I don't want to do that in this case because I do think there is some good writing tucked away here and there and some and some great performances as well. I think Matt and Karen are both like I'm s i am I feel like they're starting to click as a as a duo and complement each other. Um I think Matt Smith's performances you know, he's got a thankless job where he's like, it can't be easy acting against a Dalek. No. No. Because it's at the end of the day it is just a big lump of plastic. Um, but I think he does pretty well with the Dalek scenes. I love the, the nonsense with the Jammy Dodger. So it's just it's a mixed bag. I don't think, as a story, it is not satisfying. And as a Dalek episode, it is really underwhelming because I want to see the Daleks being really scary and just murdering people left, right and centre because that's what they do. And in here, they mostly just sort of stand around and talk and yeah. murder each other. <laughs> but, I don't know. So, but you know, it's it is what it is. Yeah. On to pastures new. That's the beauty of Doctor Who. If you don't like an episode, there's another one just around the corner that's going to be completely different. Yeah, but different isn't always a good thing. Well, we'll find out next week, won't we? When we will be discussing uh, the time of angels, yeah, and flesh and stone. So, two parter. One thing I wanted to mention just before we go. All oh, right, yes, is although we rarely discuss. Doctor Who through the week. Oh, okay, yeah. You sent me a message to say that thanks to Britbox... Oh, yes! Classic Who is now finally going to be legal to watch. Oh, what a treat! I so it should still be out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this. Like, I'm uh, I'm not shitting for Britbox here. Um, uh, I'm, and I won't be signing up until Boxing Day, which is the day that they're making Classic Who available. Okay. But for the longest time, I have been waiting for the Classic Who archives to be legally streamable in the UK. It's been streamable on Britbox in America for like two years at this point. Okay. Two or three years, I think. Um, and... It's it's outrageous to me that it's never been put on iPlayer or Netflix or anything. We just had no means of accessing it other than like DVDs that are often out of print and th- or things like that. Or, and uh, the idea of just being able to like cough up a five for a month just to have unfettered access to that's well, it. Who, I mean, yeah. it's really difficult when we watch ours for the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, we would I... obviously never access them illegally online. Oh, no, of course so, we won't. I, yeah. you're, uh, what, what's basically happening is I'm just sort of... I What I have to do is watch my grainy VHS copies and just describe them down a phone to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how we have to do it, folks. And yeah. I, it, it's a shame. And that's obviously why they're, they're often... Why I think you struggle to enjoy them to the level that... <laughs> Maybe. That, um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, do. Yeah. I, I'll be totally honest. 
I ain't signing up to break my <laughs> Yeah, there may be a bit of vlogging sharing going I mean, on when it I, comes to our classic. Are you episodes. aware of Disney Plus? We could be talking oh, about new Star Wars. Yeah. I is it's really testament to our where we're at as people that I am way more excited about Britbox than I am as Disney Plus. Yeah. And that's coming from someone who is actually quite a big Marvel fan. You know, I like my MCU stuff, but you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, that's fine, but get, uh, give me give me that some of that Peter Davison era Doctor Who goodness. Yeah. Let's watch where Doctor Who goes to a hill. <laughs> yeah. 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 We watched yeah. two episodes where yeah. it was just like, oh, there's this hill. <laughs> and he just goes. It turns out the demon's in the church the whole time anyway. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. That is what happened. He's just like, oh, should we go to this uh, hill? And they spent ages going to the hill. Oh, but there was so much atmosphere. It's it's all about the tone, Matt. All about the tone. Anyway, so um, that's all to look forward to. Um, before we get to our next classic series episode, we've got a whole lot more series five to get through. So join us next week when we will be discussing the Weeping Angels 2 party. Okay. Until then, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.